Hello and welcome to episode 115 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Monday, November 30th, 2020. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac. We're at Cyber Monday, so feel free to tube in during the show. And from America's left coast, where the sun is shining, the birds are chirping, the trees are dancing, and it's raining like crazy. I'm Ryan Bimrose. Well, that's what happens on the uh, left coast. You get weird yeah, weather. We, we call it November. Yeah. It's it's weird. It's uh, Cyber Monday, though, which I think wasn't Black Friday kind of Cyber Friday because nobody was really going out to shop anyway. So is Cyber Monday still a thing? Uh, I don't get I'm it. I'm pretty sure all these labels are meaningless. <laughs> well, yes. They've I, always- I, 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 I mean, Cyber Monday always marked the the one day of the year when everybody ordered shit online and, and all of the delivery companies backed up and Amazon started to get their orders clogged. And I, I mean, that's every day since march yeah, and that's already happening amazon's getting clogged my wife said she ordered something and you know usually because we have amazon prime and remember oh it's like two-day delivery guaranteed and they've been pushing towards this concept you know mainly before covid hit the concept of we can do same day delivery now it's like yeah you're five days out so if you think you're getting it by christmas you better order it early like the good old days and uh i mean i remember when amazon when this was just really kind of starting with Amazon Prime like five, 10 years ago, you could order something on like December 23rd and have it the next day. Now, I don't think that's going to be happening this year. I think you might want to be planning early if you're ordering online. Well, the the problem is, is going to be availability, really, uh, it, at least around here in this area. Uh, Am- Amazon has solved the, the delivery problems. They just have you know, when you put a warehouse in every county, yes, then it's just a matter of how fast can you get it on the truck and get the truck out. And they're pretty damn good at that. Uh, we, they early on, I, I think they kind of abandoned it this year, but, but like at times last year, I remember Amazon promising, yeah, one hour delivery. And I'm sitting here going, okay, your warehouse is in Tukwila, which is south of Seattle. So there's the only way it could be here within an hour is if you put a plow on the front to push through traffic. <laughs> That might not be a bad idea. That's but why they want I, I mean, I, the, I have uh, confidence, though, in their ability to just put that stuff on the truck. Like, you know, they probably got people standing by holding one of each item. Right. And and as soon as they get the it's like, OK, Jim in 47 G, uh, go. Right. And he just takes whatever he's got in his hand, puts it on the truck because it's going to go somewhere. Soon it'll be drones. But my wife said down the road here, you know, maybe about 10 minutes from here or so, right by where my in-laws live. There is a new Amazon facility, and my wife said it is scary large. So I can see if we can get maybe some uh, if the if the satellite imagery, you know, if Google has been updated enough, because that only really updates like what once a year or so. I'd be interested to see just how big this looks. And uh, yeah, this is the the new world order, man. You'll have all your stuff, be able to deliver it within a short period of time, but. Amazon wants to control every bit of your data like everybody else. This is nothing unique to Amazon. And they're doing pharmacy now. I think we may have mentioned that before, but they are rolling that out now. Not here in Illinois yet, but Amazon is doing pharmacy. So it's they want every little less bit of your data. I mean, you don't think Amazon's doing this for uh, just pushing pills, do you? I mean, no, I don't even like my doctor to have my medical information. I'm sure (laughs) as shit not going to give it to Amazon. It's a weird thing. It is a weird yeah. thing with the amount of data that Amazon has and Google have. And if you're in the Apple ecosystem, obviously you 
you opt into that because you have to buy their hardware. But those three companies control such a massive amount of data that, you know, it's it is almost scary when it comes down to it. And that is very monopolistic, but it's uh, I don't think you're ever going to have that kind of a law coming down where, hey, they have too much of your data. I don't think anybody's ever going to quite get that. And people seem to want to uh, to opt into a lot of this stuff. And we know there's a lot of people that do that willingly when it comes down to, hey, I'm going to get this great email service or, hey, I'm going to get whatever it is, you know, these Fitbits and things like that where, oh, yeah, this is a great free service. What did I opt in for? I don't know. They just wanted this to track me and people are willingly giving up a lot of information and i don't do you think that'll well, ever change yes at some point uh when when the consequences of giving up that information become sufficiently visible and bad enough then people will finally start to notice and mass and at some point when when enough people uh, finally start acting like me and decide that they they actually want to be their own person uh, at some point, the business model becomes less viable. But unfortunately, you know, I've been wrong before. I predicted that that Wait. online advertising couldn't work. You've been wrong before. Um, I, I've been my my correctness has been sufficiently delayed that many people forget that I say make, make these predictions. And I would like to point out it is Monday and I know everybody wants the report from me here out of Chirac. 28 shot, seven killed in Mayor Lightfoot, Chicago over the weekend. So, yeah, we're doing good. We're doing good. 28 shots would kill most lesser men. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Hey, It would be a good drinking game. And I really, I would be remiss if I didn't (laughs) wish a very happy birthday to William Michael Albert Broad. He is 65 years old today. And you, if you're around our age, you'll know him as Billy Idol made it to 65 years old and he's looking good now he's looking better now than he did when he was like in his 20s i mean that was probably all the heroin it it doesn't take much no but i'm, I'm glad he's still around still making music because it was one of the first guys that i was really into as a kid that seemed you know like dangerous rock and roll as dangerous as billy idol could be to a you know 12 13 year old uh that uh there was some good stuff. The guy made some good music and he still is. So 65 years, man, that makes me feel old, I, though. Billy Idol, 65. I, I mean, I, I, I as much as I understand how important it is, is given the, the number of of icons from our youth who are starting to kick off these days, which is a little scary. Uh, I, getting old is, is frightening. Yeah. Um, I hope it doesn't become a normal thing that we I mean. At what point do we just start tallying up all the people who are still alive and be like, yep, uh, I mean, that, that that's a segment that, that will continually shrink itself every time. Well, we did lose the great David Prowse, the character actor who was the guy inside the Darth Vader suit this week. And uh, he made it though 85 years old, which is good because somebody said not too long ago, like, you don't see a lot of really tall old people. And I'm like, OK, I'm six, six. And. You're, you kind and, of have a point, and I don't like the stat all of a sudden. That And yet uh, George Lucas is still making movies. Yeah, he is. But David Prowse was six foot seven, made it to 85 years old, and uh, he was selling. I mean, I don't know what the, you know, the market for was this, but I know recently he had shut down his uh, internet website where he had been selling autographed photos of Darth Vader, and that just must have been the weirdest thing 
as an actor because nobody would recognize him. Although yeah, nobody good. had any idea who he was. Yeah. And he wasn't even the voice. So it wasn't like you were just the guy in the suit. But, you know, people would recognize your voice. They you know dubbed in the James Earl Jones voice. So it was a, uh, you know, kind of a weird thing. Then he was originally offered, I guess, Chewbacca had the choice whether he wanted to play Chewie or whether he wanted to play Darth Vader. And he chose Darth Vader because he said people always remember the bad guy. And uh, he's right. I mean, I think that is a way more iconic character, even though you still would never recognize him. Darth Vader, way more iconic than Chewbacca, although Chewbacca is up there. And Chewie's been in more in more properties. Yeah. Yeah. And he has that. I mean, you got to dig that. I, I do. I think so. I thought that was, you know, I the the noises with Chewie was uh it didn't really hold that character back. He was able to, and I mean there was a few times where he just had that really sad little groan and it was like, oh you know, as a kid that just cut right through you. You know, you remember that still too. I don't know. You don't like Chewie? I always preferred Crunchy. <laughs> I think that was the knockoff. Star Wars properties that your parents were buying you the wrong yeah. action figures. Yeah, well, I, my parents were notoriously cheap. I got the wrong action figures more than once. Yeah, that'll. I, I want Superman. Who's this pretty good guy? <laughs> pretty good guy. That's, uh, um, yeah, I guess as long as they put a cape on it. I wish I had my Star Wars action figures that I had as a kid all in the box and uh, sealed and all that, which of course I wouldn't have had any fun at all as a kid, but I mean, I had the millennium Falcon. I had the death star thing and all of the, not all I didn't. I mean, I was spoiled, but not that spoiled, but now looking at what these things sell for like brand new in a box, it's like, it's nuts. And and of course we, the idiots would always just take them out of the box and play with them. Thus destroying all of the benefit that you would get from keeping them on the shelf as clutter for 40 years yes yeah and clutter is no good i have run into that we have like a bunch of bobbleheads because well the white Sox give them away a couple of times a year my parents had been season ticket holders for 35 years and then at the end of every year being a season ticket holder they used to send out a box of every giveaway that they had given away throughout the year all the t-shirts bobbleheads and that that was one thing the white Sox always did good if you were a season ticket holder at the end of the year, you got one of everything. So if you went to the game, I mean, you got multiple and then you got more. So I have like one of every bobblehead that the White Sox put out for years and years. And I just said to my wife the other day, I'm like, this is just way too much dust. I mean, because we have them all along the one uh, shelf down here that goes the whole length of the room. And it's like, it's just it gets to be a pain in the ass. It's just a dust collector. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think my my decision to to collect things for the, you know, maybe they'll gain value at some point kind of died when uh, I, I had a collection of baseball cards, probably seven or 800 of them that had all been collected in the seventies and very early eighties. So about the time that baseball cards got to be a big thing, I, right. I don't know if they ever came back. Um, but some of the seventies ones were probably worth a lot. And it was, 15 years later, I'm like, hey, mom, you know, whatever happened to that box that I had with the baseball cards? Oh, yeah, I threw it out because it was getting moldy in the garage. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right, then. Yeah, they do need to be cared for. You can't get too much moisture in them. Baseball cards and all sports cards actually are making a comeback this year. And it's interesting because 
I thought uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Well, was. You can actually watch the cards without virtue signaling. Yeah. Well, yes, that is a nice thing. There is no SJW stuff going on. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk uh, predicted this a couple of years ago, and I'm like, ah, he's crazy because I had watched the the downslide of all of this because I remember buying a bunch of I think they were FLIR sets in the one year, maybe like 96 or something like that. And I mean, we basically had to end up giving them away because once they start massively producing the cards, of course, supply and demand, the collectability goes way downhill. And Topps has been doing stuff that is artificially collectible, which I don't like. My dad buys into it because he loves all that kind of stuff. But I don't like the, hey, we're going to make this card for one day or, hey, we're going to only we're going to make the card for one day and we're also going to make. Um, a variation that a one of one with a different color border and then a you know one of 10 with this color border and one of 100. So they're artificially making these things, you know, limited, yeah, it's, but it, it's it's a winning it, it's a winning formula, not for the people who buy them because they're never as collectible as you want. Right. But it's totally a winning formula for the people printing the cards because they know that if you print print a limited run of the green border card today and never again and everybody oh no and then tomorrow you do a limited run of a yellow border card and the next day a limited run of a purple border card yeah and you can make out like a bandit selling these things and there is there's something to be said with that limited edition and there is something to be said with going overboard i think we mentioned here on grumpy old ben's when taylor swift's latest album came out and she released i think it was eight or nine different what if i told you about bringing up taylor swift on this show we love taylor swift i just bought oh, uh, right. her if, really if you're a taylor swift fan go to her uh, web store right now if you're listening live to this on cyber monday the autograph CDs, you know, I bought a couple of them a month or so ago when they were 26 bucks a piece. And I thought, ah, that's a good deal. They'll go up in value. And they are because they'll sell on eBay for 40 or 50 bucks up. Well, they're on sale today for 13 bucks a piece and limit of four. And I have two headdresses. So I ordered eight because I'm a sucker for this and we can just end up reselling them. Maybe and, we'll end up giving yeah, them away. Because you're desperate for more clutter. Yeah. Maybe we'll give them. Maybe we can give some autograph Taylor Swift stuff away here on grumpy old Ben's as a. Why? Why do you hate our experts? <laughs> because it's fun. Do we to want to drive them. people away? Yes. Some there are some experts out there that like Taylor Swift. I know I'll sign one. a paper towel or something. That's got to be better than than the Taylor Swift merch. Okay. Well, let people choose if they win a signed paper towel from Ryan Bemrose or an autographed CD of Taylor Swift. That'll be fine. We will give them that choice. But when uh, when she came out with nine different versions of the LP, that's when I was like, I'm I'm tapping out of this <laughs> and just I'm not going to buy nine different and versions. Yet you're spending money on her merch. Yeah. On the autographs, an autograph CD for 15, 13 bucks a piece. So, I mean, you can't okay. beat that. Go look so at what like they go for. Well, 85 more than I'd spend. But go on. <laughs> but you don't understand. Things go up in value. This is like buying a baseball card. They will go up in value. Guaranteed. I mean, of course, she probably signed a million of them being sitting at home in quarantine. But, you know, there's the autograph stuff goes for money. Although, to be fair, autograph stuff overall, even in the sporting world, is taking a bit of a dive because now the kids, the millennials, when they come across their favorite artist, if they're out and about, you know, you just run into somebody, you know, before COVID because you would you'd be able to recognize them because they wouldn't be wearing a mask. But now kids seemingly now want more a selfie 
than an autograph. And it's like, hey, you can't sell a selfie on eBay, asshole. Uh, watch me. <laughs> well, you can certainly try, I guess. You can, uh, <laughs> you can print that out. So it's a, it's a weird generational kind of a thing. But yeah, sports cards are back, which is kind of interesting to view because you're, maybe you're right. Maybe this is. And that's what Gary Vaynerchuk, when he talked about this coming back, said. Here's why I think it's coming back. The guys that are like your age and my age, which was the last big gen, uh, generation that collected baseball cards and basketball cards as a kid are now having their own kids and they want to share that with them. And I think that, I guess that made sense because it's seemingly correct. The pandemic may have helped because people are looking for all sorts of different hobbies. My wife's building Legos now. I think we talked about that. And is getting like the largest Lego set ever made. Oh, yeah. We already know her parents bought this for. So it's not ruining the surprise or anything. The Roman Coliseum Lego just released on Black Friday. It's like nine thousand and something pieces and like five hundred and fifty bucks. It's like, oh, my I, God. I can even. OK, here I, I, I have I have a question which might lead into a rant. But I, okay. I mean, admittedly, everything I ever say might lead yes, into a rant. That's true. Um what is the proper way, in your opinion, when you go and get uh, a, a disturbingly overpriced bundle of pieces of plastic called Le- with the Lego brand name on them? Right. What is the proper way to do it? Uh, obviously, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to put together the thing in the kit. What do you do with it after that? Well, in the case of these big, grandiose things. I think you put the kit together and you leave it together. <laughs> I think that's okay. the, uh, see, I feel like you're doing it wrong. You, no, I, I can, I can go to a craft store and get model gear and make a, a more realistic looking Coliseum for a 10th of the price. And uh, yeah, it doesn't have the word Lego on it, but, but brand names have never been a big draw for me. I, I, when I was a kid, we had, a big ass plastic bucket that held like 30 gallons of miscellaneous Lego bricks. And every single day we would take that thing and spread it out across the floor of the room, which both made finding pieces easier and made the room really effectively parent resistant Yes, because they couldn't walk in. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And and of course, you know, the gaps in between the Legos were small enough or were about the right size for kid feet to carefully step in between, but parent feet, there was no chance. And so every single day we would go grab all of them, use our imaginations, put together something. And then at the end of the day, when the parents are like, clean that up. And of course we ignored it. And then the following day, when we finally did clean it up, we'd take it all apart, put it back in the big bin. In fact, that big ass Lego bin is at Bemlet's place right now for his daughters. Cause I, he had kids and I didn't. So it, I had to give them up sad day. Uh, but, and my my problem is, you know, and, and and I feel like the right way to consume Legos uh, is that you go to a brick store and we, we have one actually not not far from here, although I have no idea if they're still open in 2020. Uh, but you go to a brick store and you buy bricks in bulk because you can make freaking anything out of it. Um, every time you get a kit, you end up paying one hundred forty dollars for. Twenty five pieces of of Lego. That you can put together in precisely one way. There is exactly one thing you can ever make out of it. You can't. And, and then Lego, for some reason, their, their current thing is that 75% of the pieces in the kit 
are so specialized that they will never work on anything but this one build in this one place. And there's no point in ever taking it apart because, you know, this, like, what was, uh, uh, oh, I'm going to pick on cold acid for a moment. He's in the troll room. He needs it. He was posting these pictures of Lego cars and he's like, I love this one. I've got this. Oh, I just put this one together. And I'm looking at it and the, it's like, a piece of there there was a tire that was like a wide wall tire that said Camaro on it. And I'm like, well, gee, I guess you're not going to put that on an F-150, are you? Uh, and there, there's like a fender piece that is perfectly molded to look exactly like the Camaro fender. And uh, I mean, what are you going to you're going to put that in a medieval castle the next time you build? No, they're, the only thing you might as well just be putting all these together the first time with super glue because you are spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a shitty model set that you can't reuse. I don't know. For me, I grew up with Lego. The whole point to Legos was you can put them together then you can take them apart. You can put something else together and all these custom kits completely ruin that because you can't use the pieces on anything. And then I see all these people like at, at, at work at back when I was in Redmond that there were people like one of the dudes had a Lego death star in his office. You know, the big, two foot diameter fucking death star yeah. that was hanging. It had dust all over it. That is a goddamn <laughs> crime against Lego. Yeah. They have the millennium how do you, Falcon. How do you leave something together so long that it collects dust? It, it's not how reusable bricks are supposed to work. They had the Imperial cruisers. Yeah, it, to me, I see both aspects of that because as a kid, I did exactly what you did. And I also understand that there is a need for puzzle type things and that people want things to display. And this becomes more of a, Hey, I put this together more than I created it because there is no creativity involved. Yeah, when they give doing- you a little piece of paper that step-by-step instructions is easier than baking a cake, following the recipe on the back of the box. But it's Zen. A lot of people like that. It's just, Hey, you can zone out the the booklet for the uh the coliseum is supposed to be fairly impressive too we'll yeah, give you, a full you can get review you can get a litter box full of sand and some rocks and a little three inch rake for a lot cheaper if you want to do zen <laughs> you could do whatever you'd like i mean you have to be careful though because the cats might leave you a little uh yeah little I, I can't do that no <laughs> no my zen gardens are not safe when you have a cat yeah but uh you know i get both sides of it i like the being able to create from the ground up and I mean, I've been tempted to do that because there is no Lego version of Comiskey Park. I mean, the ballpark I loved growing up, there is no Lego version. Now, people have been commissioned to build them. And the thing, you know, the Lego ones that they built were probably like, you know, three foot by three foot and a couple feet high. You know, so these are the professionals that are doing this for thousands of dollars. But I would love to, uh, you know, come up with my own plans and try to put something like that together. Cause that would actually be a, uh, a challenge. And there's no question about that, but I, I do understand that's where the specialty parts come in when you're dealing with things like, you know, archways and certain things uh, that you just can't reproduce with uh, the simple 3d blocks. printing. Hello. Yes, you can. Well, yeah. Okay. If you're going to start 3d printing, I can see that, but a lot of people don't have that at their disposal. Or aren't going to take a Dremel to their uh, yeah yeah better better spend fifteen dollars a piece for these kits yeah that's what Progo now is asking if Lego has released a three D printer for printing out those bricks no of course not at least not that I know of no no that <laughs> violates Lego's business Lego's business model 
is to print a whole bunch at, at, at almost no cost because it's just injection molding. It's a, a new custom piece that only works on one build here. Let me just put together a, a new mold and, you know, Lego pays $15 in, in labor and fees for somebody to spend 10 minutes putting together a new mold and then they print it out and they pull the handle and it's like a fucking cash machine because they can now sell that piece for in a kit for $75 to millions of people who are going to do exactly what you're doing where you just put it together once and then you're like, well, I guess I can never use this again. And then you'll go out and buy another. Lego has a fantastic racket. They have a big ass injection molding machine and are using it to print money. I just want to know. I'm kind of flashing back to the old uh, 60s Batman, and I'm wondering if it actually says big ass injection machine on the side of it. It may. I hope so. That would be awesome. That would be absolutely awesome. Although I'll tell you, my wife is still trying to finish the FOCO, F-O-C-O, which is the knockoff kind of Lego that is licensed, that they have a bunch of the ballparks and stuff. And I got her the Fenway Park, you know, out of Boston, Red Sox go. The, uh, was on sale for like 29 bucks so i bought that and the pieces like just don't fit together right and the bleachers have fallen in like fourteen thousand times and and now she's like just buy legos nothing else never you know the 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 trick to all lego type things is uh chewing gum and a hammer yes i I suggested gloom crazy gloom i I have used chewing gum which became a permanent part of some of the pieces when the pieces became too loose underneath (laughs) right right yeah because well you take them apart and then they get a little you know and i also used i also used legos back in you know before the day you know there's that little like piece that has two studs on it on on a lever about four inches long it's called the, the brick puller or whatever that every every decent lego person now has because it it's the way to separate two bricks that are really and of course i never clipped my fingernails when i was young i separated lego bricks well you must have strong fingernails i no no they were just always shredding on trying to separate the bricks (laughs) you got used to that see but that was fun right trying to get those i I remember throwing a lot of those bricks just thinking well you know if you throw them hard enough they'll come apart (laughs) yeah and that's how you end up with the ones you need gum on right that's exactly it they're not indestructible but they are uh, they are pretty strong there's no question about it but it's an interesting thing to see what people are going to now especially with the pandemic you have a lot more time at home and baseball cards and legos and that kind of stuff are definitely coming back whether that's a good thing or not i don't know but uh, i think it's nice because they are taking things offline you know, yeah, I, will, I was about to say that they, they, you said you don't know if they're good or bad. The one thing I will give them is they are offline until there's an app you know, for that. You, you know what? Dan Bamros and I have started doing. Speaking we we cleared off other? one of the tables. We cleared off one of the tables around here. We are putting together a jigsaw puzzle. I don't even know when the last time I did that was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My wife tried that with one of the Fenway. See, that was the problem. We got our Fenway Park one and yeah well there's your problem is everything in your life is about baseball stadiums yeah and it was way too green so it wasn't a fun puzzle to put together when every piece looks the same that is uh you know that gets to be annoying too i mean everything that has uh, a lot of colors in it is like that for me but yeah well that's true and although i've noticed this now i've noticed in a lot of the settings of things where it's like oh make color blind friendly and i'm like oh 
Yeah, I'm starting to notice things as you start, uh, especially building the new machine, not building the new machine, but setting the machine up and going back and forgetting, you know, things, very simple stuff that you don't even think about. Like I went to play some tunes on the No Agenda Rock and Roll pre-show and YouTube showing me ads. And I'm like, I don't normally see ads in YouTube. And I'm like, oh, I never you block origin the browser. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, damn, ads. <laughs> I, I- I, I I am so sensitive to ads by this point. I would probably like, I'd be like, oh, okay, you know what? Hold on. We're going to hold on. Everybody stop. I've got to shut down the stream <laughs> so that I can put the ad blocker on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, can't you just disconnect? No, I, I have to shut. I, the internet is going off until I can turn off ads. I've seen an ad. I, I will never be the same. I have to go talk to my therapist. Yes. It, they're mimetic poison, which yeah. is kind of the whole point to get it. You know, a a marketing person will tell you it's it's getting your brand out there. You know what that also is? That's called a mimetic virus. That is, you are infecting somebody's brain with foreign thoughts that you have been paid to inject. That's what marketing is. Congratulations. I hope you sleep well at night. Listen to Grumpy Old Benz or you won't sleep well at night. GrumpyOldBenz.com. And if you do listen, you still might not. <laughs> you never know. There's no guarantee. Some of the shit we talk about is frightening. We're not we're not one of these people like or your money back. I mean, that's just insanity. Although I will say I thought this was funny because every now and then I run across a review on Amazon that I just think is absolutely um nuts. And well, that happens a lot. But we ordered some of this bio clean or something. It's this stuff that the plumber that came to route out our drain, you know, months ago before COVID recommended to pour down the drains just to keep them flowing well. And the concept on this stuff is it's basically just a bacteria. So you mix it with a little bit of warm water and you pour it down. Once you prime it, you do it like five times in a row, five days in a row. And then it's like once a month, you pour this stuff down the drain. And what it is, it's a bacteria, I guess, that loves to eat gunk. Because once I wonder it, if it's any good with vodka, it might be. I mean, it's sometimes safe. I could use a cleaning. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure people have tried it. They say it's <laughs> safe. You know, it's one of those things. It was like this uh, carpet cleaner that came out when I was working for a buddy's carpet store years and years ago uh, called Capture. And it was a, you know, another enzymatic thing that it wasn't a harmful chemical. And the way you know, they had their poor salespeople, man. Uh, one of the ways they would sell it was like, oh, they would like reach into it and like put some of it in their mouth. Like, see, and it's like, that's just wrong on all sorts of different levels. But this is kind of the same type of thing. It's an enzyme that eats away at whatever, but it won't do any harm to humans. Allegedly. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen any of those reps lately. Um, But the review on this was, how do you know this is working? The only way you would know is if you don't get any more clogs. And I'm thinking, well, that would probably be a good way to know it was working. Well, we call that evidence. Yes, I would think it was evidence. And the reality is they do sell some fairly cheap endoscopes now that you can attach to a cell phone or your laptop or whatever and put a camera down your pipes if you're really curious. But the way this guy decided to test this was he took this uh, enzyme stuff he mixed it in the thing of water, which you do, and then you pour this down your drain. Now, of course, when you pour it down your drain, they say then don't run any water for like eight hours. So a normal thinking person would understand that what this is going to do is it's going to spill down your drain and the bacteria is then going to bond once things are like drying out because your drain isn't filled with water, which I don't think this guy understood at all times. I think he thought 
that's all filled with water because he's like i filled a cup with water in this stuff and put bacon grease in it and five days later the bacon grease was still in there that's got to smell awful <laughs> kind of but uh it's like you don't understand how this stuff works it it works by drying out and then eating the stuff in your pipes it's like but again i think do people not understand you know like when your toilet flushes that stuff goes down a pipe and then the pipe becomes filled with air. The liquid, when you drain your sink in your kitchen, the liquid goes down into the sewer and the pipe then is back to just being air. And I, I don't think some people understand that, which is kind of scary. I'm not sure that I understand. We might need to bring Nick on yes. to to describe the conditions in the sewer. Nick, 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 the rat, Nick, the rat radio dot com, Nick, the rat dot com. One of those. He'll let us know what's going on in this dark sewer. And I mean, the, the funniest thing is this is one of the few products that is out there. Like if you have any left in the can and you don't like it, send it back to us with your receipt and we'll refund your full purchase price. So it's like, just try it, dude. <laughs> you know, I mean, the company obviously stands behind their stuff, but uh, Amazon reviews, I've often said, I think there's a whole podcast in just reading and ripping on Amazon reviews, much like who are these podcasts does to podcasts. I think there is a whole show just ripping on stupid reviews that I've seen on the internet. So when do we start that one? We should. How many more shows we, can I we do? We need an exit strategy from this grumpy old Ben stuff where we just talk about Legos all the time. That would be cool. I mean, I'm sure there are Lego podcasts. There's no question about it. Maybe more. Oh, I'm so, sure there are hundreds of them. Maybe more so actually video podcasts. I, yeah, I was going to say it, it, there. there's probably tens of thousands of YouTube channels where people just put together Legos. I. I, I I was over at at Bemlet's place for Thanksgiving and, uh, you know, don't tell the the authorities, but um, they put on a video for the kid just to entertain the kid for a while. That was uh, it was a green screen, a woman in a purple jumpsuit doing yoga to Sonic the Hedgehog videos. Was this something that was to meant to keep you and Bemlet busy or the kids? Well, Bemlet has been pretty well inoculated and the kid was on the yoga mat in front of it doing yoga, which actually was way more <laughs> fascinating than the green screen chick in front of Sonic. Uh, watching the kid do yoga was actually entertaining because the kids are cute as hell. She's she's five and and kids are cute at that age. It doesn't matter who they are. Yeah, until they until they uh, gut check you with a punch. Um, no, she's actually the, the gut would be a little too high. She'd have to reach upward when she goes for the full punch. I'll let you ask Bemlet about that. <laughs> I heard the story. He, he was speaking in a higher register, even telling the story. Yes, but, but that is one of the things on my list is a green screen. So maybe that'll be a holiday gift that I'll find under my Christmas tree. Because I would like to, I would like to mess around with that. Just doing the uh, doing the video, so make some holiday gifts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's always nice. I mean, everybody gives me a hard time because when I go on video, they see all the autographed Taylor Swift stuff on the wall. And then they're like, what do you like Taylor Swift for? And I'm like, have you seen her? I mean, even if you don't I, like the music, I mean, have you seen her? <laughs> no, I and, and I don't like the music and I don't particularly like whatever comes out when she opens her mouth. But but if she's willing to keep quiet and take pictures, yeah, I, I, I can see the appeal. <laughs> yeah, there's something there. No question about it. But the green screen, I mean, I've always been kind of fascinated by the good green screen effects and that they've gotten there now so that's why i would like to try this out we have a nice logitech brio webcam and we have the little ring light so i think we'd be able to get some uh pretty good effects and i'd like to get back to doing some videos just because you're seeing what some of these people are making on the videos and i understand this is again a case of 
you know, if you're a celebrity, you get a lot more viewers. Don't get me wrong. But I thought it was really a cool thing. You Darvish pitcher. I mean, I know you like the baseball talk. Uh, he's with the Cubs now, I think. And I hate the Cubs, but he has a channel that he just does some stuff on and he donates all of the proceeds to his charities. And I think it, he was making like 28,000 a month on his YouTube channel. And I'm like, that's some good money. I want to get a piece of that. Uh, I don't know. Is, is he going for quarterback next year? Could be. Um, uh, how many free be throws did he make? He might be better. I mean, now that's like some of these teams, what was one of the, I saw one of the NFL teams, like both of their quarterbacks or all of their quarterbacks. I don't know how many they had were ineligible because of COVID. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting for, I, I, the, the one football game I might watch or, or sports game I might watch this year is the one where, uh, apparently now there's a lot of places, especially in school athletics where they're requiring the players to wear masks while on the field. Yes, that sounds and, deadly. And I want to see, I, I actually do want to watch the, the, you know, college football game where they snap the ball and both teams get up and start going toward each other and all just pass out simultaneously <laughs> on the field because they can't get any freaking oxygen. Yeah. All you're going to need is one little guy with really good lung capacity and he could rule the world. Yeah. So that big ass linebacker bearing down on you, all you have to do is, is juke him once, twice, and then bam, he, he, he's passed out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is, I just don't even understand how the, that concept is allowed to happen because we know athletes, you need a lot more oxygen. You, everybody knows when you exercise. Uh, it, it, it's not. Yeah. I was going to say it's just exercise it's it doing physical activity requires you to get some oxygen and it's more than you're going to get through an n95 yeah or yeah. you know maybe some of the cloth ones the ones that you know offer even less Zero. support than that yeah. yeah well that's it i mean this the concept that masks help is ridiculous and i do think this should be criminal the fact that so many people are trusting in the masks like hey I'm going out. My wife said she had an older couple that was in to her shop that was wearing the mask, the face shield and gloves. And you you know, know, the first time that some college student dies because they were out in, a, in the middle of a basketball or, or soccer game or something where you're exercising the whole time and they fucking college forces you to do it in a mask and somebody dies because they have some kind of heart condition that causes acid in the blood or whatever the hell it is. I, I, yeah, we're going to see a lawsuit or something and somebody's going to be like, you know, maybe masks aren't the best thing to wear all the time. And maybe they're not effective at all at keeping you from getting a virus that is aerosolized. Yeah, well, we already know that. Nobody seems to care. Yeah, I know. It's absolutely ridiculous, but we didn't want to talk about all that depressing stuff today. You did a deep dive on something which is actually quite apropos for the holiday season with all the people buying different gadgets oh. and stuff like that. Well, this one came to us. It actually uh, it, it came in um, from from Sir Billy Bones uh, right before Friday's show. And I remember looking at this going, huh, that's an interesting story that I'm going to have to spend more time than I have before the show to read. And so we didn't even mention it. And I'm sure Billy Bones is like, oh, I, 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 actually, he's not. He's he might complain. Cool he is a millennial. So he might complain about it on his own podcast. He which is, is the, one of the cool millennials, though. Walk through the mind. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So Sir Billy Bones sent this one in right before Friday's show. And it took me a while to digest exactly what was being said here. 
but it has to do with a brand of router. Uh, there's actually a couple of brands, uh, Wavelink and Jetstream are the two main ones, um, which both seem to be subsidiaries of a company called Windstars. Um, and, and, and you'll, you'll figure out why they need to obfuscate by having several different brand names in a moment. Um, but it is, uh, effectively it is a cheap Chinese Walmart brand. Uh, at least Jetstream is the, the brand you will find at Walmart, um, of router in when Wi-Fi access point, Wi-Fi router. So when you go out and you know how everybody's kind of been trained, you don't trust the router that Comcast gives you because those people are evil. Well, they all you are. have to do is all you have to do is look at my brother and be like, Oh yeah, we, we can't trust anything. He <laughs> hands me out. I, I maybe, um, but a lot of people, and it, it is very popular to not just use the router that your ISP gives you, but to go out and buy your own. Uh, and for people who have a, a larger house or need a little bit extra coverage or just have aluminum foil as their insulation in their walls where the Wi-Fi signals don't penetrate very well, um, sometimes you need an extra access point. So you go out, you go out to Walmart and you buy this. And if you go and look at the things on the shelf, there's going to be, uh, you know, an $80 Linksys and a $120 Cisco and, uh, you know, a $75 Netgear. And then there's this $25 Jetstream. And if you are really cost conscious, you're going to buy the cheapo one. And the phrase you get what you pay for it was used in this article. Yeah. Well, people uh, are thinking that's good enough. That's all I need. Just for the kids room. It's an extender yeah. or whatever. Oh, and, and, and in this particular case, the cheap one actually has some features that, uh, you don't get with, with the more expensive versions. Um, two of the features are one called webcmd.shtml, which is a page that is built into the, you know, all of these things now have for management, uh, I- internal web servers. Um, Usually when you get, uh, in most router firmware will just make the, the management page accessible to the internal wet net for you know, because you don't necessarily want it to be available to the world wide web. But, um, this particular one in, uh, it, you know, it, I guess you could call the feature remote management because webcmd.shtml, uh, it has no authentication. No validation. If you just know it's there, uh, you can access it from inside the network or outside anywhere nice. on the internet. Um, it has a, a very, very simple UI. Um, the UI is a, an input box, an output box and a go button and the text run a system command as root. <laughs> well, that's very easy to do. Um, now, uh, it, <laughs> among other things you can do with this, uh, you can, uh, run, uh, you can download unencrypted backups of any, uh, web traffic that's been going on. You can download backups from settings. Um, you can, uh, if, if somebody has uh, an accessible NAS, there's a script on this thing, which allows you from WebCMD to, uh, Access the NAS and, uh, point to, uh, er, initiate a download of everything that is on your NAS. Yes. Which is um, why it's important to have passwords 
on everything that when I have the NAS boxes, I've got multiple ones. I want to talk about NASs a little bit today, too. But if you don't have a username and password, and you're like, well, they're just on my network. Nobody has access to my network. This is where that starts to break down. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if you're if your router is now an adversary, it anything on your network that has no password is is now being sent out. Um, they uh, they have. Uh, you, you can password protect the router, although it doesn't affect the Web CMD, um, but the the regular management page, which uh, allows you to control all of the router functions. Um, is accessible from the outside. If you go into the management thing and turn off the accessible from the outside, they said that anybody who knows the pages there can still get to it. It just removes the link. Um, and, uh, uh, by the way, the, uh, validation for that, because it is password protected, the validation for that page is done in, uh, client side JavaScript. Which means they send your plain text password via client side JavaScript to the client and the JavaScript will do an is equals comparison to find <laughs> out if you are the admin. Wow. So uh, not a lot of uh, thought put in or maybe there was a lot of thought put into this system. I, I, well, I mean, y- you can look at this and go, well, maybe it was a mistake. I, I don't know. Given that the, there's it, it has a, a Windows 98 style UI that has an input box says run a system command as root and an output box that shows you the result. I mean, that maybe that's a debugging feature that they just left in. Well, that's I'm not sure it's an accident on most routers um, that I mean, like I, our links is there is usually a run a command and then it has. the Well, there's usually a, 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 an SSH port or a Telnet port or something that you can turn on and off. Yes. In this case, it, it has SSH access, uh, which is on permanently. Um, it, there's, there's a script that comes on the router called get wifi.sh, um, which lists all nearby wifi connections and in <laughs> fact has the option, uh, to connect to those wifi connections and even upload files to them. That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that really is, that's so, an interesting part of it. So if you need to compromise your neighbors, well, yeah. Or, you know, again, if you're doing like some kind of a mesh network on your own. But yes, this I could see would be this is now an attack vector for people at the mothership to use the router you bought in order to attack your neighbors, which is absolutely genius. Now, if you were a a really multinational kind of hacking group, this would be very very useful that hey some idiot you know in indianapolis bought this router now uh, not only could you not be tracked back to him but what you're going to do is you're going to hack into his neighbor's wi-fi and i mean that's really putting enough uh, steps between and hops between that tracking any of this stuff down to that even bad router is it's crazy when you think about it it is genius if you were doing this intentionally to create your own massive botnet uh, and um it, it, the botnet in question that that seemed well the researchers um decided to put this thing on and as a honeypot just to see what would happen and it took all of about 12 minutes for it to be joined to the mirai botnet um, which I'd not heard of, but it is the Mirai botnet is the one that it was believed to be responsible for the 2016 Dyn DNS attack. Um, during that attack, uh, there was approximately, um, 
700,000 machines that were involved in the attack that they were able to trace, of which 91% were routers. Now, I think we got a pretty good idea what the brand name of those routers might be. Yeah, or I mean, not necessarily the brand, but we know the the concept because this is happening with all sorts of different, you know, either fake firmwares or with routers that just have not upgraded their firmware that have holes in them that are being uh, that are being owned that way. But people don't look at the routers in the way that they really should because they're just like, well, it's just a little as computers. Yes. And that's what one of the biggest disconnects, I think, which is now this is just the thing that connects me to my Internet. They don't realize that there could be bad stuff running on the router, that it is basically a little Linux system that if you don't have the security upgraded, if you leave it wide open, it will eventually be compromised. And if you're buying it compromised, I mean, that just saves you an extra step. But it's interesting that this kind of stuff and this is this is not something that is unique to routers there was another story this week uh, that i just saw this morning about all of the uh doorbells from various companies not just the big ones but all of these new interconnected doorbells that have very similar issues like we've talked about when ring had it so i don't know if this was going back to ring but where this would allow people to then compromise your internal network through the doorbell people you know you need to look at every one of these internet of things as a possible breach of your security and people don't view the stuff that way they don't see a router that way they don't see the ring doorbell or whichever doorbell that way they don't see the light bulb that they can change with their app they don't never see that part of it which is you're basically opening up your security and going hey come screw with me that's arguably connected to the internet is that that's exactly what you're always doing, but, yes. but we don't need to make it easier. No, which is again, why we highly recommend anything that is Wi-Fi. If you can set up a guest network on your router and a lot of the routers out there, including the ones that the big internet providers give you have the ability to set up a guest network. And what that will do is will allow you to connect those devices to the guest network, which means those devices won't have access to your PCs and to your data. So that is a plus that puts a little bit of space between the two, gives you way more security. And if you can't do that, go buy another router of a company, hopefully yeah. that you can trust or that you can change I, the when, firmware. When I was first setting up networks, it, it, the security was pretty easy. You just set up the firewall on your router, or actually when I first started, firewalls and routers are separate devices, but you, you put your firewall at your router and you've got two security zones, the inside and the outside. But I think those days are gone. Yes. Uh, I, at this point, the, you know, the outside is very, very dangerous and the inside is slightly less dangerous. And you need, you need to not be openly trusting anything that's connected to anything. Yeah. And don't trust your cable provider to be protecting you. I mean, I always go back to when the cable modems first hit. And as most people listening to Grumpy Old Ben's probably know, there is such a thing as an IP address. And then there are certain things as, you know, the zone. So if your IP address from Comcast, it's four sets of numbers separated by periods. Now, that last set has 255 possibilities. And when the cable modems first came out, you could do a search for anybody on those other 254 connections 
And if there if they were live and their computer was hooked directly up, because this was back before people were even using routers regularly, when you only had one computer in the house and you were oh, plugging yeah. that directly into the modem. We used to just go in and look at what people had on their desktop and what they had in their documents. I, files. Back, yeah, back at the university, I was going to say, I, I used to look for Windows shares using that method. Uh, you know, the university had uh, um, a, a class B block. So there were 65,000 IP addresses at the university and probably 25,000 students. So y- you do a scan, you're going to find a Windows box somewhere pretty easily. Windows was not well secured back then. So I could run a script overnight that just pinged every subnet and figured out if there's there's a share there and the name of the share. And then I'd go back the next day and look for ones that were labeled music or tunes or videos just to, to peruse. I ended up with with dozens of gigabytes of music just from scraping other people's hard drives. Yeah. And when did the username and password come into account for the Windows operating system because that wasn't there originally right because now at least well it it was not required originally and few people used it but in windows 98 which would be what was active when i was doing this in college um by default there were a couple of defaults that because because it was the operating system was written during a time when you still trusted other people on computers because as long as computers is a hobbyist everybody's got the same wide-eyed hey you know this is so cool let's see what we can do thing and you didn't have a lot of attackers out there so windows 98 had uh everything was shared by default it was shared using whatever password you used to log into the machine which most people did not use a password to log into the machine because it was a pain in the butt and when you sat down it was you know your dorm room why would you um and it by default shared a share called c dollar sign if you recall this one, yeah, which would give you read write access to the root of the C drive on the computer. Yeah, and you can't screw up anything with root access to the main drive. Oh, I was I was that I was that prankster who was demonstrating to people why this was a bad idea. Were you uh were you making it so they couldn't boot their machines? What were you doing? Well, there was the one where um I had downloaded a copy and and I'm not saying that I did this intentionally. But I had downloaded a copy of the Anarchist Cookbook and dropped it into somebody's uh, documents folder that they were using for their their papers and classes. And coincidentally, the very next day, that computer ended up blue screening and and he had to go get new hardware. And I don't know why, but he blamed me for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, text files shouldn't do that, but uh, you never know. There's weird things going on in the bits and the bytes. You, you, we just don't understand, which, again, why you, everybody has to look at every device that you're adding to your network with caution. And I do the same when you talked about Comcast and everybody wants their own router. That's firmly the place that I am with it. But that's mainly because I want to have full control over everything. The Comcast modem slash router slash Wi-Fi, everything in a box. They have gotten way better. I will give them that. The hardware is getting way better. But I don't yeah. like Comcast having all of that data. So, again, this is another separation between them and me, which is why, you know, I use a VPN quite a bit. And you want to try to route things in different ways because I don't want Comcast to have all that data. Because, again, that is advertising so, money for them. Uh, OK, um, honest question here. What 
what data do you think that Comcast is collecting if they if they supplied your router that they're not already collecting by being your ISP? Well, they have an easier way. I mean, I think you could do it at the head end, but this would make it easier to have a log of all of this stuff, which, again, I get it, which is why a VPN is the only way. The the router has all the connections to the internal of your house and one connection outside of your house. And Comcast owns the thing on that other end of that connection. So if they want to scrape or log, well, they would know more that goes through more like per device which i think is kind of creepy and i get why parents might want this which is one of the things built into the new comcast software again i don't use it but i know it's built into this if you're using the comcast xfinity whatever they're calling this new x5 or whatever it is that you know when little Susie's iphone's on and little jimmy's iphone's on it's keeping track of exactly what websites they're all going to how much data each one of them is using and it's keeping much more track on a granular level where if it all has to go through my router first, then Comcast doesn't know where the traffic's coming from. And if you really want to be crazy about it, or if you just want to be super careful, I mean, I remember our buddy Gene Witch talking about having a machine that did nothing but send out, you know, fake URL requests throughout the day to try to overload the system with enough false data that even if something showed up, you really couldn't prove where it came from. But yeah, I know there's, sure. there's there's a certain level where it becomes paranoia. And then there's a certain level where it's just good common well, sense. And I probably more, go, more like there's there's a certain level of paranoia that is just good common sense. And then <laughs> there's levels of paranoia that are are uncommon sense, but still pretty rational. And, yes. you know, the, you won't, everybody sets their own level of paranoia. But if you don't have any at all then you're very vulnerable out there right now. Well, yeah, and this is where we've talked about before being worried about the way data is sent when you go to different websites, use different programs or apps, and whether these things can be tracked back to your individual machine. I mean, I remember there was talk that, you know, every CPU was going to have basically what the cell phones have in an IMEI number, which is a unique identifier that no matter what you do, that gets kind of sent along with it. And that kind of big I mean, brother stuff is scary. They, they kind of do. If if you give a program access to some of those custom Intel modules, I, I it started with the, the TPM chip, but anymore, it, you know, it, it, CPUs these days have eight or 10 black box modules that we don't know what's running on them. They're just there to perform a service or something. And if if you give something the access to run on your system, which uh, probably includes some JavaScript at some point, then, you know, if like you go into Chrome and you'd be like, okay, yeah, let, let this thing use my graphics card, you know, because maybe you want to watch a, a web canvas or, or hardware accelerated, then, okay, it's now going to your video driver. And how do you know your video card doesn't have a unique identifier? It, right. These things happen. Yeah. Which is scary. People stuff. ask why I don't like JavaScript. <laughs> it, it is scary stuff though. When you think about how, identifiable you are if that stuff is being sent along and i've done a little research on that and there's not a lot of good answers you know the question's like okay so if you're using the you know instagram app say on an iphone can that be tracked to that particular iphone i mean apple tells you they're really careful with your security and all this but 
are is that information being sent? Because we know it's in the phone and we know it's possible for that information to be sent. And I'm sure somebody with much better hacking skills and I have looked at all of this and looking at apps with what they have access to and what they really do send along. But these well, my, my understanding of, of the way that Apple does it is that there. Yes, there are unique IDs. Uh, one of them is the Apple unique device ID, which Apple is very, very protective of. Um, and I would not be surprised if they've taken steps to make sure that doesn't get out. Another is the, the quote advertising ID, which right. is available to any app or web page that wants your advertising ID. But and that's the one theoretically you can, you can, you can reset it or you can turn it off and you should be resetting it often and you should also keep it off. And maybe that helps and maybe it doesn't. Um, but. Imagine this, even if your hardware vendor, even if your uh, your OS vendor is not providing some kind of very easily trackable thing, um, you, you know, you've gone to the, the Panopticlick site, you, you've looked at the browser fingerprinting methods. Um, there are the, the more data you send, the more of a statistical fingerprint you are generating, whether or not there's a single ID or not, because somebody can hash everything they could possibly know about you, which would be, uh, you know, your operating system, uh, what software you have installed, what versions of things you have in, um, what, you know, they might get a, a hash of, uh, your, uh, your, uh, video resolution, how many monitors you have, uh, take all of that together, hash it together. And you end up with a pretty unique fingerprint of your browsing activity online without having to send any kind of unique ID. Yes, which should scare the hell out of everybody. And then if you're running Android, then you should just assume that Google is probably sending all of your data to every page that you visit in the fucking referrer header, because why not? They're Google. They thrive on making sure that your data is not just yours. Well, did you hear that Microsoft is now working on a complete Android subsystem for Windows, which I get it. This is they kind of been working on that for years, but it seems like they're getting closer to making this a real product. And the concept here would be Windows PC owners, desktop, laptop would be able to run the Android apps directly on their systems. Right now, there is a kind of a bridge, but I think you need your cell phone and it's really running the thing on your cell phone and then sending the information back, you know, mirroring the whatever video you need back to your PC, this is going to make it so you don't need the phone to be a part of that. And I guess it's genius because this way people that are addicted to whatever Android app or if whatever, if you want to check your social media on this app, these apps will become available on Windows, which is a big swipe towards Apple because Apple doesn't have that ability right now. So if you're on the Apple ecosystem, although I guess if you have an Apple system, then you can probably run that. Uh, the apps through if you have a macbook or a macbook I mean, pro apple's never going to do that it, apple makes too much money having the platform and if there was ever a way somebody could run a, an iphone app on anything that isn't apple right. apple would suddenly be cut out of it yeah they, <laughs> that's their business you. model requires that they don't allow that yeah if your business model is advertising which google for example then they'd probably be totally fine with it yeah, to be fair, I bet you you can run Apple apps on the Apple laptops. I just don't use an Apple laptop anymore, but I can see well, where there's that might a work there's at. an emulator that comes with the SDK. 
That would make you sense. You know, I honestly don't know. One of the way back the first time that I was trying to to get into try figuring out how to write apps. Um one of the things that stopped me cold with regards to writing for iOS was back in the day at least, you could not even install the SDK, you could not develop apps, you could not do anything with an iOS app unless you were doing it on a Macintosh. Right. And there there was just no fucking way. Um I don't know if that's true or not anymore, but it definitely was the thing that kept me away from the platform early on. Well, Apple still definitely has that mindset, although people can and are building Hackintoshes. I've built a couple. They just get to be such a pain in the ass trying to upgrade and update them that it becomes not worth it at all. But the bottom line was once they went to Intel. Wait, wait, you're saying that that automatic updates don't work? Yes. Well, I'm saying sold. The automatic updates not only don't work, but if you tried to update it, often it would break the system. So it made it, you know, if you an operating system where the update, it it can't update on its own. I holy grail. You're saying the Hackintosh might be the system for you. Then it might be the thing that gets me into the Apple ecosystem for the first time since 1992. Because to be fair, I like the way the Apple ecosystem works. I just don't like everything else that surrounds it you know including having an iphone for a while to where it was like okay i just bought this new album let's say it's a taylor swift album and i wanted to get that onto my iphone it's like well how do you do it well well you know you have to load up itunes and then you have to sync with your phone and then it'll do this and it's like no can i sorry drag and drop that (laughs) if, if getting a file onto my device is more complicated then plugging the device into USB and uh, opening up and uh, dragging and dragging, then it's not, it's not a device. It, uh, I, yeah. Agreed. Okay. And that's, and that's where the Android definitely wins. Cause I do that for my wife every now and then when this, Oh, that's I, still how I get stuff on my Kindle. My Kindle has been in airplane yes. mode since 2012. Yeah. It's drag and drop. There's TV shows she wants to watch and it's like, well, I'll just, I'll download those. I mean, legally, of course. And then you just drag and drop them onto the phone and then she just opens up VLC on the Samsung phone and you just watch the content. It's beautiful. VLC is amazing. And also, if you want to watch your battery level drop in real time, (laughs) it is a great program for that. Yeah, you do need, you do need a phone that has a good battery and you have to understand how to manage your time. Although it's been quite a while. Since she's required one of those external power bricks, and I've got a ton of them sitting around, which are probably worthless. I mean, not totally, but a bunch of these bricks that you used to need when the phones were running out of juice after like eight hours. So you would have your little portable thing to plug them into. Batteries have gotten better overall for a lot of the, at least the Android stuff. I'm assuming Apple the same way. But uh, yeah, watching video will definitely suck a lot of that power down and why don't we think we have some experts for today's show let's try to get them in a little bit before you know like the last thought at the end of the show and i do again want to thank surly mofo for coming in on the last episode during the show because i really did think we were like wow man we've been doing this show and we've been like every episode i mean we weren't not like making bank but every episode we at least had a few experts coming in and it was like nobody crickets it's like was this a bad sign although then reading the No Agenda newsletter that John C. Dvorak sends out, I saw that this weekend is like the worst this week for the whole donations because, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, people are out there doing crazy things like buying gifts for people they know and spending money. 
And I mean, how dare they go out and spend gifts and money and all that? We have grumpy old Ben's. We need your support. And we understand. We want you to celebrate the holiday. We want to make sure the kids get what they need. But, you know, if you can take part in this value for value model and keep us going as well. Our first expert on the day coming in at 50 bucks is Anonymous. Who just sent a little note in that said, thank you for your service in the propagation of uncommon sense. Another grumpy old Ben. So we appreciate that. And we try to we try to push as much of the common sense in an uncommon sense world as we can here on Grumpy Old Ben's. And we appreciate that anonymous. Thank you for supporting Grumpy Old Ben's and coming in our buddy Net Ned straight out of Detroit. He's like right down the road from Kid Rock. He'd be pimping down there on the streets of Detroit. He came in with 25 bucks and a note that said, build Ben's better. For a minute, I thought it said build Bem's better. But then I realized that, you know, that would be impossible to actually try to. No, you can't improve on perfection. Yeah, I figured you were going to say that. But uh, I I mean, I, I teed you up on the joke, which maybe that means we've been doing this too long. And I appreciate it, but we need to work on the next step, which is you, you, don't, you don't ruin the joke after we've had a flawless execution of it. Oh, but wait, that would ruin that would ruin all the fun. I mean, you were getting a little uh, a little testy during no agenda on uh, today's Monday. So Sunday, because there was a little bit of uh, more arguing than normal going on between the hosts and you kind of thought they were stepping on our shtick. And uh, <laughs> yes, and I think people well, and, and in the words of some of the trolls, it's. It's when mommy and daddy are fighting, which amuses John and, and makes Adam a little annoyed when people use that, that <laughs> terminology. But which one's mommy and which one's daddy? I don't ask these things. Well, I mean, we have the pod father, so I guess that would make JCD not. I don't know. But, that's, you know, it's it's very heteronormative of you to assume that there's one of each. I know, isn't it? I mean, how dare I? How how hateful? I will. Uh, I'll go stand in the corner and think about what I've done. Okay, I thought about it, and I still don't care. Yeah, but you're still okay with it. There's, uh, I mean, there's something to be said, and I we like to say this every now and then because we noticed even when talking with our good buddy Mark Van Dyke out there from the Netherlands that the interpersonal relationship concept is different in different parts of the world and the way you and i seem to communicate best is kind of the way that i've always communicated with the guys that i consider to be better friends which is it's a constant berating battle jokes yes <laughs> battles um you know cut downs you know funny little quips and on the exterior if you're not familiar with said things it's like you could be like wow those guys are just dicks I- yeah, I have had somebody ask me, why do you keep doing a show if you hate each other so much? <laughs> because it's so much fun. It is. That's part of the deal. It and is. It is the, the main reason I do anything in my life these days is because it entertains me. Yes. In this, I mean, it's entertaining us. So that's good. And we hope it's entertaining you. But this is, you know, the, the rumor that uh, we're like always one step away from just uh, rage quitting which we've never done i'm so disappointed we've never had a rage quit episode kidding? i rage quit this show twice a week <laughs> see but you come back and i don't even know you were gone so it's it's, it's different. that short attention span yes yes that's it's a completely different thing 
but it works. It's the give and take. And I just want to assure everybody that nothing that we say back and forth when we're arguing is taken on a really serious, hurtful kind of level. It's we understand we're doing a show, too, which is this is part entertainment, because if we just wanted to come out and be like, well, today in computer security, this was talked about. That would be boring. Yeah. All the really, really hurtful things that I actually mean, I say to you in behind the scenes. Right. Without the tapes running. So there's no proof. Yeah. Bastard. And we also have a one last. Wouldn't want there to be proof of that. No. And we also have looks like a new subscriber coming in. Jeremy Cavanaugh, 10 bucks. No note. We appreciate your support, Jeremy. And we'll be mentioning the Patreon subscribers on the next show because it will be the first show of December. But I wanted to mention we do have a new Patreoni, $5 a month. And, and Patreon, the interesting thing is you can go by whatever you want on Patreon. So you can just have an alias, if you will. And the alias of this new grumpy old Ben's expert on Patreon. So he is now, or she is an official grumpy old Ben's expert. The name they go by airport pooper. I love it. Although that sounds incredibly unsanitary. (laughs) I don't know. I'm sure there's a story behind that. Although I, I would, I would, hey, you know, I shouldn't, but I'm going to ask for clarification. Do you think it is somebody who poops in the airport or just a very, very, very large person who eats airports? And then <laughs> I inquiring minds probably shouldn't be asking these sort of things. I don't know. I mean, I do know like in places like I think it was a Dublin airport where people were buying tickets because in Dublin, you know, all the bars in the pubs are shut down. But the airport is open and they're essential and there are bars and restaurants in the airport. Ah, so people were buying very cheap tickets and then not actually getting on the flight, but just instead staying at the airport and having a few pints and having dinner with friends. So, I mean, maybe it's that's the same kind of lockdown logic that we have that causes, uh, you know, the the virus, which will absolutely destroy anybody who's drinking. But if you have. Uh, an untouched order of fries next to your drink, then you're totally safe. Right. Cause food definitely makes everything better when it comes oh, to the COVID. It, and um, it, it does make a lot of things better, but yes. So we thank you, airport pooper. And we, if you would like to share the story of the name, we would definitely listen. And uh, we did have a note from our buddy Stevie, who we were talking about the burnable CDs and uh, DVDs and the optical media the other day. And he said, I just finished listening to the latest episode 114. You and Ryan talking about it being odd that optical media drives weren't a thing anymore. Well, we know we're just getting old. But he said, and I've heard this somewhere before. Do you know that the Department of Defense are not allowed to use thumb drives to transfer data? They use lots and lots of CDs and DVDs. So now I'm thinking Steve E doesn't use his last name because he may be one of those spook people. I did, in fact, know that. But at the same time, I kind of assume that. Once you get deep enough into the halls that that there's no sunlight or or visibility <laughs> to the public let in, that really they do whatever the hell they want. Yeah, those machines there, that's the first thing they do is like destroy the USB ports, which probably means they all have to be using really old keyboards that are still wired. Uh, well, I did, hey, PS2 keyboards were so responsive. Yeah, they work perfectly. Right? 
that, like, do you remember there was that period of a time? Yeah, I guess you've never been a gamer. There was that one period of time when USB keyboards became huge, but they were still, you know, a good 150 millisecond latency of your keys, which is perfectly fine if you're typing a paper because you don't have to care too much. But if you're doing Twitch gaming, there, there was a time when, you know, having a keyboard with the PS2 port with the, the hardware connect was still critical for gaming because otherwise you just had your enough input lag that people were going to own your noob ass. Yeah, well, this is the intriguing thing with online gaming with a, a lot of these devices, which a lot of them I always thought were snake oil and they probably were, including some of like the really expensive routers and stuff like, hey, we're the best latency out of anything because you're right. Latency is the biggest thing when you're dealing with real time gameplay and the you know, the closest I ever got to that is playing something like uh, on the PlayStation, which would have been, you know, the early PlayStations where you could do either baseball, basketball, hockey, all of the those kind of sports games with a buddy in California. That, that was the Atari 2600. No, I did that, too. But we weren't connected to the end. I mean, my God, when you go back and look at the graphics on the like baseball of Atari 2600 and realize that as you move the joystick, every player on the uh, field, which was, I mean, you couldn't even really tell they were a player. They were a kind of person stick. No, they shape. were, they were, well, the, the whole thing was, it was like 120 by 160 pixels was your whole screen. Yeah. So, so each player was, was two pixels. And all you had was a joystick and a button. That's all you had yeah. for the controls. All we had was one joystick and a button, and we liked it. Kids these days with their 12-button controllers. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's it's weird. I mean, it's it's fantastical when you look at what the latest sports games where you can actually tell which player it is because that's how photorealistic the things are now. It's uh it's both. I can't even tell that when I'm watching cable. <laughs> well, that's right. It's not well, it's hard depending on uh on the camera view, but the ability of these machines to do what they're doing, you know, that if you want to go down, like, you know, the abs in a six pack or Nick, the rat kind of thing, you're like, well, do you think technology really got this better, this fast, or is this alien technology? And, uh, we talked about that. I think on the abs in a six pack that I just <laughs> did with Chris. And it's like, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting conversation to have because I lived in a time where there were no computers. So I remember a time before the internet. I remember a time when, you know, again, my first computer was a trash 80 color computer that was 32 characters wide and it could maybe print some different colored blocks, but that was it. The concept of doing what we're doing now, holy cow. I, I, I had meant to ask about your, your time when you were on that show. How did it feel? to be a boomer amongst people who grew up around technology oh i felt fine i mean people are like oh he was out of his elements like well, no i mean i when you talk about the drugs and stuff like that it's like i've never done drugs but i understand what drugs do to people so i don't have a problem talking about it it's kind of like pen gillette it's like i don't have to do the drugs to be fine with you doing them and understand that there's an experience to be had it's like i'm certainly not anti-drug i'm a, a very libertarian person i think that uh, hey as long as what you're doing isn't negatively affecting me i'm cool with it and i do believe that there are supernatural experiences i mean i don't have any proof that there's life out there but it's like okay are you really closing off that this wondrous universe we're the only intelligent living things in it that seems a little 
you know, narcissistic and, uh, I'm always open for new experiences. And I know some people are, you know, like you, you're not into the religion thing, but I am. So, I mean, it takes a little bit of everything. And I mean, I think it's cool to have conversations that would normally take you outside, you know, not a, really a personal comfort zone because nothing was taking me out of that. But it's like, I think it's interesting to have conversations that nobody else is having, which is one of the only reasons some of these more out there shows have a really interesting place because people are just out there saying crazy stuff. And I wonder how many of these shows, I mean, you run one of them here on the No Agenda stream. Uh, what's a Dean Reinert's up is down. And his stuff just seems so far out there. And I'm really curious if he believes this stuff or if this is just a really good character he's doing. I, I mean, does does it matter? No. It was only a couple of minutes ago. You were telling how, you know, you and I are total bitches to each other because we're trying to make a show. Yeah, the way I, I see it. If, if the show is entertaining, then does it matter it's kind of like what i think about hollywood celebrities which is when they're on camera and playing a part i am perfectly capable of appreciating their ability to become someone else and then when they decide to put on their own persona then i tune out because i don't actually give a crap what you think about biden or what you know right you know what that was really in to the nick the rat show until i saw the video and I, he's not a real rat I mean, that just ruined it for I, me. Are you, hello? I, you're, you're, you're not watching the right video. Have you seen the ears? <laughs> they look, he like, wears the ears. What more do you a, need? They might be a hat. I don't know. <laughs> no, there's, there's authentic rat ears oh. sticking out of the top. That's all you need to know. Okay. I will believe, believe everyone. I want to believe. If, what, what, what would the opposite of the X Files believe? Maybe <laughs> instead of trust no one, believe everyone. I'm skeptical. Well, that's kind of what we're in the mode we're in now, right? Believe everything. As long as it's the mainstream media, believe everything. Yeah, I, I didn't get the memo. Yeah, I know. You did not get the memo. But uh, our buddy Cold Acid, I mean, you ripped on him a little bit earlier in the troll room. Available. Oh, he need, he needed it. At no agenda he'll, he'll rip on me tomorrow on his show. That's true. He can do that. That's what podcasters do. Noagendastream.com. We do these shows live Monday and Friday at noon Eastern time. And we did uh, realize that the scheduling for December that uh, Friday is Christmas Day and New Year's Day. So I'm just asking all of the experts that are out there, what do you want? I mean, does everybody want to take part in some kind of Christmas Day special? Because, I mean, as of right now, neither you or I have any family obligations on Christmas because, yeah. you know, it's COVID. I, I I, I would love to have some family obligation more, more this year than most, most years. I was like, Oh God, family. But you know, right now I would really, really love to be invited to some family somewhere, but it turns out that here on the left coast, at least, um, pretty much everybody is totally on board with this. We can't have any personal human contact or, or we might explode. So I'm not invited to Christmas anywhere. <laughs> So if you're in the if you're in the general Washington area and you would like to feed Ryan Bemrose and this do not take this on without knowing what you're getting into. But if you'd like to feed Ryan Bemrose, reach out to him at Ryan at grumpy dot com. But I mean, we could do a pre-recorded, you know, Christmas special. We could invite, you know, a guest or multiple guests on. And if we're doing it live, same thing. It all depends. And then New Year's Day. I mean, we could be the first show on the No Agenda stream for New Year's Day. Of course, we were already talking about doing a New Year's Eve show. 
which means that would probably uh, well, that would probably uh, determine no, no agenda is probably going to be broadcasting New Year's Eve. Yeah, that's true, because that would be Thursday. So uh, we could be the first one then in 2021. And yeah. uh, I don't know if there are per se if there are plans this year, but uh, the last several years, Rhino the Bearded has done like a 10 to 12 hour long live show where he does the the top 100 or so songs played down oh that's right um, if, if that you are year. inclined to listen to the no agenda stream live on new year's eve because say you weren't invited to any parties because <laughs> nobody wants to break quarantine um i do recommend the no agenda stream will probably have live shows all that day Yes. And that's what we did last year, which we waited to the end of Rhino the Bearded, which, if I remember right, came about eight or nine o'clock, maybe if I'm not totally uh, getting this wrong, uh, central time. So he did the show. He did his countdown. And then we hit the stream. Sir Matthew, the sole survivor, came on with us, as did yeah. Colin Blaney and John Fletcher I, of Hogs. I feel like I bailed out early because I had the, the latest midnight. It, it was, I mean, it was 3 a.m. for people like Carblane's Carolyn yeah. Blaney. You and, and your better uh, half. Yeah, we we finally entered the the new year, and and then I'm like, well, I'm really tired. <laughs> yeah, which is understandable. by this point, Fletcher wasn't saying anything at all. Well, he was the one that fell asleep with the microphone on, which it was good. He wasn't a snorer because otherwise we would have, uh, well, we would have just po- muted everybody else and turned that up and been like, here you're listening to Fletcher snoring sounds on the No Agenda stream. And now we're getting really inside baseball. Is this really GOB content or is this post show content? Well, it could be either, but that was just a question. So, hey, if you have an idea of what you'd like to hear from us on Christmas Day or New Year's Day, give us a hint over at uh, email or at No Agenda Social, because there's probably on both of those days going to be very little actual informational content. So it'll be more of a sit around talk about random things yes. with random people. And if you want to be a and part of one of those shows, let us know. And as Progo points out in the troll room, uh, this year, because of Christmas and New Year's being on a Friday, means two three-day weekends in a row. Wait, but I thought the which whole if, year if we was... were still going to nine to five jobs in this country would be amazing. Yeah, the whole show, the whole the whole year has been one big time off. Uh, yeah, see, now a radio play acted out. Progo is, has that idea. We were supposed to get this kind of a script. That we still may be able to pull off with, you know, having eight, 10 people, whatever we can uh, get together for that. So that's interesting. If anybody has any good ideas of something we can do that, uh, you know, wouldn't get us sued into oblivion, because it would be nice then to be able to release that as a podcast. So I know there's only although there has to be a bunch of stuff that's gone into the public domain. But, hey, we'll take a look at that and figure it out. We're going to have some fun no matter what throughout the holiday season here on Grumpy Old Ben's. You know, if you have questions about what you should be getting people in the Texas zone, we're not really the gadget experts, but hey, if you have questions, I mean, you've always got answers. I don't know if they're correct. Hey, we we are experts on every topic that we claim to be. And you ask me about any gadget, I definitely have an answer. Yes. And now the thing that I want to build, well, not really want to, but I have hardware and I figure I may as well use it is if you ever used the whatever it is, don't connect it to the Internet. <laughs> See, but that's not really good for a network attached storage device. The whole concept there is to attach it to the Internet. But cold acid, that was what I was originally stating before he went down that rabbit hole, was complaining about some NAS devices. And he's like, ah, $500 for a NAS device with no hard drives included. Screw you. And he's absolutely right, because I've gone through that 
buying process a couple of times where it's like, that seems like a lot of money for a device that really all you want it to do is serve files. You you want home networking regret. I, I bought a, a Windows home server back in the day. And if anybody here knows what that is, then I'm sorry. It, it didn't meet every expectation that you had for it. It didn't meet any expectation I had for it. <laughs> My thought is to finally, because I mean, I had a Buffalo NAS way back in the day, whatever they call that, the disk station or something, the Terra station. And I have the uh, Synology, the, or is it Synology? I always get that one wrong. The, uh, we have a QNAP. So we've, and we have a Western Digital. So I've got a few different active network attached storage devices. But as we've talked about here on Grumpy Old Ben's, backing up those devices are getting harder when the shares are huge. And I have an old, well, two old machines right now. The one I was thinking of using was the system that I was, had been using up until three years ago and that's still sitting in the basement and just chugs along when i need to pull any old files off of it which is rare anymore but it has a uh, an asus motherboard in there it has a uh, cpu is an i7 2600 quad core 3.4 gigahertz which is more than fast enough for a network attached storage device if i remember correctly there was probably 16 gig of ram in that device and i'm sure it's overkill but i went and looked at the sata abilities of this hard uh, of the motherboard and it has two of the you know six gigabit satas and it's got four of the normal three gigabit sata connectors so i'm thinking this would probably be perfect for a four drive network attached storage so have one uh have an ssd to boot it up have four drives or probably you could use five i'm assuming it doesn't matter with uh if you use four or five of those you can always have a little room for expansion with using free nas but i've never set up a free nas system i've always chickened out and just went and bought a nas so have you ever used free nas or have any experience with any of these open source network attached storage uh i have not um you know the weird thing is uh my my idea of nas at least the kind that i use is uh right now i have a debian box downstairs which i throw all my old hard drives into and then i open it up for for file connecting and that's kind of what i do (laughs) right you know and that may be true because i don't necessarily even need the raid aspect of it is it overkill if i'm using this to only back up other files Um, that are on other raid 5 network attached storage devices is it really overkill if, if you well, okay, RAID is for the most part a backup and reliability system. Correct. So if you've if you've resolved your backup concerns, like you have a backup, like you have a you know a backup outside the machine, um, you know, ideally you're supposed to get an off-site backup. But but once you've resolved your backup concerns, then um no, you, you don't really need to I mean, how how many drives do you want to take up with the same data? Well, I just want and I just want the one backup. Because basically, yeah. I'll have it on the main network attached storage, and I want to be able to have one backup of that. And I was thinking having another network attached storage to back up the music would make sense. It would exist on two. So if one cracks yeah. out, it's on I mean, the if, other. if you've already got backups and you're not con- you're not super concerned about hardware failure, like uh, you know you're running it in a in a horse barn or something, <laughs> no. then. 
you know, you, you can, I guess you can throw more drives in and, and span them or something like it would, that that's what raid zero. Yeah. Well, yeah. Windows will do that directly out of the box. You can combine multiple drives together. So I'll have to think about it, but I was thinking the free NAS would be a good project to kind of uh, work on and see how that works because hard drives are fairly cheap today, uh, especially cyber Monday. The uh, I think the Seagate eight gigabit or eight terabytes. I always want to say gig eight terabyte hard drives are, I think, like one hundred and thirty five bucks. So you can get four of those for about five hundred bucks. And that's a lot of storage. I mean, yeah. thirty two terabytes, that'll hold my music backups at least for another year. I don't, I, I recently, my, my recent storage experience was, uh, install. I finally installed that SSD that, right, that I had right. picked up a couple of weeks ago. Well, cause I don't shut my system down most of the time. And so shutting it down is, is actually a thing because you lose all of your contacts. You, you know, at any given time, I have six or seven command prompts open that I always have some kind of context and history in. I've got, you know, your browsers at least will usually bring back your tabs. Uh, Notepad plus plus saves my tabs, but, um, it, there, there's, it's still an ordeal to shut anything down. And so I finally shut down and I finally, uh, started transferring over and it, it was, it was actually painful because it took, uh, almost two and a half hours to transfer everything. And my first thought was, man, this SSD should be a lot faster than I realized. No. I'm transferring from right. a spindle drive that's six years old. Yeah. And I kind of limited there. And those spindle drives are loud now, especially when I pulled yeah. the wife's out of her system and it's sitting right next to the computer and one of those little docks. So you can pull the stuff off without, you know, having to put it into a case. It's like, wow, these things, these things were loud. I mean, I forget the golden age of sitting in the room where it's like, because <laughs> these things just had those uh, flying heads in, uh, it was kind of a nice thing. It was kind of like the uh, modem sound at the beginning of Grumpy Old Ben's where you kind of got that. Ah, and then you realize how slow and horrible those drives were. And you go, OK, I'll take the uh, I'll take the new stuff. I was thinking about that, that uh, intro noise the other day. Um, first of all, what happened to that awesome new one that that Fletcher made for us? I thought we were going to. You complained that it was too long. And, but uh, I complain about everything and you don't <laughs> listen to me and anything else. What's different about this? We will. We'll get a new. Why would you start now? Well, that's true. I'm ruining the I'm ruining the. I just wanted to see what would happen if you got your way and see now you've got your way and now you're annoyed that you got your way. Yeah, so, I don't get it. I'm <laughs> confused. <laughs> this doesn't work. This is unfamiliar to me. Yeah. So we'll get that. I mean, I know I keep saying that along with a few other things I keep meaning to work on, but at least now I've got my new machine. So that was a big part of it. And yes, transferring stuff from one machine to another is a royal pain. But once you get set up, that's why you don't want to like redo machines all that often. And that's why external hard drives. I love the USB three hard drives for things like music and stuff like that, because you just plug it into the new machine and it's there. It's not like you have to transfer drives from one machine to another, but uh, or or you just plug it into your NAS and it's there. Yeah, that too. I do. Uh, I do. I need another NAS. I, I can never have enough NAC network attached storage just because I um, I acquire. Let's just say Be- because you you are on a personal crusade to archive the Internet. We get that. Yes. And, you know what? and if I, archive.org is going to start censoring pages, then, then somebody needs to. Yes. And I thought I owned a lot of music when it came to physical CDs 
and LPs. But then I read an article. I posted this on No Agenda Social. I don't know if you saw it. I think last night, Sir Elton John, you know, a real sir of the greatest variety. Are, are, are you saying that I'm not a real sir? Because I dispute. <laughs> I just, it depends I have on a the- lot more. I have a lot more respect for for Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak than I do for the Queen of England. God save the Queen. What, what are her Adam and John get up every day and listen to fucking democracy. Now that that's a hell of a lot more effort than what did the queen do? Um, She was born. She's a lizard person from a land far away. Yeah. Yeah. What are her qualifications? Oh, she was born lizard person. Okay. Well, I was born too. Are you sure? She may have been hatched. Well, I may have, have sprung to life fully adult out of my father's forehead, but. I thought that only happened in Greek myths. And we don't mean to offend anybody that takes the Queen of England seriously. I do. Okay. I just wanted to make it clear. <laughs> so if there was hate mail, it can go to you and not to me. But uh, Sir Elton John was talking about his musical addiction. And it, it has to be that. And the beautiful thing was he said he does keep his collection of music at home, not in storage, because he wants access to it, which means, yes. He's one of us. He's an audiophile. And he, when he wants to play a record and when, when he was pressed, he did admit he prefers the LP format over the CDs, although he owns many more CDs. And my wife asked, does he just buy everything that comes out? You know, like Amazon every week. Hey, there's another thousand CDs. Does he just buy them? Because the amount of CDs he owns was uh, 120,000 CDs. And 15,000 albums. And I'm just wondering, I'm thinking of the size of my basement because I had like 3,000 CDs down there and a couple of racks yeah. that a buddy built. <laughs> and I'm thinking, he's like, I want them all here. I'm like, okay, well, then you're going to have to rent out a few more houses to store them. Yeah. It's like, how much space? I mean, even if you made this into like a library thing where you just had the stacks fairly close together and all the CDs on shelves. Like, how much room do you need, like, floor to ceiling for 120,000 CDs? In the seven, I mean, the 15,000 LPs is pretty big, too. I mean, if it helps at all, I think you're both nuts. Probably. But see, this is the beauty of digital music now, because I can have like 10,000 CDs just sitting on a couple of NAS drives that hardly take up any room. And that's the genius, yeah. of course. And, and, everything and then crashes. you have to go out on Cyber Monday and go buy new hard drives. Yeah, I know. I, I need I need more hard drives. This is why you need to get in the value for value mode for grumpy old Ben's for random thoughts for the no agenda rock and roll pre-show. And you can do that. Of course, we were remiss by not mentioning earlier grumpy where you can use the donate button. You can use the QR code if you want to do the Bitcoin thing. And you can use the P.O. Box address if you want to go the snail mail route. Any of those are greatly appreciated. But, yes, keep us in hard drives. And, you know, I know that seems like that wouldn't be a lot of money. But, uh, no, I think that could be more Uh, than you would think. If you don't think that it takes a lot of money, you don't understand Darren's uh, how how much he downloads. Yes, this is true. And I'm wondering now because I just had a pop up on my computer screen and all I've got open is clean feed. Let me guess. Windows has updated and needs to restart. No, I've got Brave, but I've only got my page of links open. So that's all local. I've got the clean feed is the only thing open in Chrome. I've got, of course, Adobe Audition running to record the show. 
and I have a VLC window open, which has the troll room up. But Bitdefender just told me a suspicious connection had been blocked. And I'm wondering, a suspicious connection to what? <laughs> uh, to your Jetstream router. Oh, you know, it could be. It could be. Let's see. Does we get any more uh, online threat protection? Chrome EXE attempted to establish a connection relying on an unmatching security certificate to. Oh, it is AsawaCleanFeed.net. They blocked the connection to keep my data safe. So, okay, that's weird. So if the connection goes to crap, wonder if Adam knows about this. It's like, is this <laughs> trying to do something to clean feed that your AV could be blocking? Like, this is an online because they're, well, this is the problem too. We've talked about security certificates expiring and how much crap that can uh, cause at yeah. this point. The, the the big problem with security certificates expiring is the fact that the people who put it together don't know anything about security certificates, so they're not capable of debugging it because all they did was follow some online guide said, you know, click here, here, and here in order to get your certificate working, which works for exactly one year. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, you got to keep your certificates up. But this is Grumpy Old Bands. We are the tech guys. When we get a pop-up during the show, we talk about it. But um, yeah. Yeah, because it's show content and we got nothing else to talk about, do we? There's a few things. But we're yeah, trying- the other option, of course, is that we could just end the show. But I mean, we were trying to avoid talking about all of the bad things. And I did not set that up to be an exception. So unless unless clean feed starts crapping out, but I'm kind of intrigued by the fact uh maybe I can send them a little message like, hey, guys, uh, you might want to check into your security certificate. That we- I mean, if we're going to talk about untrusted software, you did mention the word Chrome. Yes, which, I mean, they keep and, updating, though. It's great, isn't it? No. Is there a Chrome problem again? It, it, yes, the, the the problem is Chrome. Really? Why? It, What's wrong? Is it like, it's not like it's owned by some big well, monolithic advertising have, yeah, have, agency. I, I, have you ever heard of a, a little known company called Google? It turns out that they're actually in the business of making malware. Google is real? I thought this was just something people were like the mainstream media well, made up. some people call me a conspiracy theorist when i bring up things like google probably yeah uh but uh no chrome it could be very insecure don't use it so what else you got well i'm gonna wait to build my nas well not wait it's just a question if i want to buy a bunch of hard drives we had uh this we talked about the smart doorbells and how they're only smart in the way of they're gonna steal all your data there was another, that is pretty smart. Another credit card skimmer that was pre-filling PayPal. So, I mean, the intriguing thing on this was these were all skimmers that were inserted into online merchants, of course. And again, they were hiding the actual script using stenography in an image. So they were able to once they were able to hack into said website. So if we were doing live orders on grumpyoldbeds.com we do not but if we were then they would be able to get in there install this and when it was activated it was going to a file on grumpy old beds because it's hidden in a jpeg or whatever they are inserting this in so your normal web security is like well that's fine it's just a jpeg on our server and uh the bottom line was there's nothing you can do about it. There really is. I, I know nothing. this is going to be a crazy question from some kind of old security coot, but how weird would it be if our browsers weren't trying to fucking execute J- 
JPEGs like code. That is weird, isn't it? I don't know <laughs> I, how that happened. I don't even get yeah, when when I came up through the computer security thing, which admittedly was a long time ago. And back when back then we were we, I mean, you know, we had segmented memory back then, but it, it, there was code and there was data and you execute code and you don't freaking execute data. What's so hard about this? I don't understand. Yeah, neither do most of the people out there who are throwing together JavaScript libraries that are apparently picking apart JPEG and looking for malware to run on your system now. Yes, which uh, I think the bottom line was, you know, if you turn off JavaScript, none of this stuff works. So there's also that, which is a feature. Yeah. And we all well, (laughs) let's let's all be happy. We are almost into December, which means Microsoft Flash is almost dead. Almost. I'm going to be curious to see like how Microsoft many people are, are keeping this. It's not around. even Adobe anymore. Now it's Microsoft Flash. <laughs> okay. It's like horrible. Adobe's washed their hands of it. And Microsoft's <laughs> like, well, no, we got this. We'll keep it alive a little longer. They may be because they were the ones like with all the pop ups. Like, do you want to uninstall or do you want to kill this? It's like, sure. I mean, nobody should be using this anymore. Although we know there's a lot of intranets that are still using this. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see who's keeping this around and what kind of crap this causes because i mean it's it's perfectly fine and safe to have flash as long as you don't attach it to the internet but then again your doorbell camera is really safe too as long as you don't connect it to the internet i i and i still i still have flash games saved from the last 15 years worth of various you know the the crap new grounds games or whatever you get and i've got a lot of them saved and i just keep keep a a standalone flash player that i pulled out of the sdk uh which is sandboxed it actually is not allowed to make internet connections and i could still feed the itch whenever i need the one story i did want to mention this has been on the list for a little while and i thought this was very interesting because we've talked about piracy quite a bit was uh, this coming from torrent freak the makers of the movie hellboy have failed to obtain a default judgment against the operators of the now defunct torrent site MKV Cage. A federal court in Hawaii ruled that United States courts do not have jurisdiction over the foreign defendant and have denied the request for 150,000 in piracy damages. The movie company, of course, is considering appealing the ruling, but this is where it's going to start getting interesting because we've talked about this on the vpn front on the piracy front on a lot of this stuff which is well if the server is located here or the person is located here i mean i know that there are people out there that want this big new world order one world government but in the interim if somebody's in another country then it's really hard for united states companies who are producing a vast majority of the movies and music and all that to be able to hold them accountable on the piracy front, which I think is probably good. Yeah, I don't see a problem with this. No, but it's uh, it's interesting to watch the the I legal mean, wrangling. The the United States, especially with with people like uh, you know, Secretary of State John Kerry was one of the people who was really big on that. Uh, the United States has been huge on exporting our copyright laws all over the world. The, all these international treaties, because you know treaties are, are awesome. They can they can be thrown into given the force of law in multiple countries at once, 
without ever being sent through the legislature of that country, which, you know, completely a complete end run if you just need to institute your own laws. And uh, so United States copyright laws have now been pushed out to most of the countries in the world using that mechanism. Um, I, I'd be surprised if they can't enforce it somewhere. It said uh, the court concludes that the plaintiff failed to demonstrate that the defendant's activities were expressly aimed at the United States or Hawaii, which is interesting because it's like, of course, if you're putting stuff up there, if you're putting pirated content up, you're not just like, hey, only if you're in the United States should you download this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I, I would have to read the the ruling in order to have. Well, I, I mean, I can always come up with an opinion, but I yes. would want to read the ruling. Yeah, it is the AMA versus Wanat, W-A-N-A-T, that uh, they also talked about, oh, well, you know, they had geo-specific advertising on the site. And they're like, yeah, but they had geo-specific ads in Europe, too, and all this. So it's like, that doesn't still mean that it was uh, penned for the, you know, wasn't meant for the United States specifically, which I think is kind of an interesting hurdle that has to be claimed for this to be able to go to u.s court which is you have to i guess prove that the piracy was pointed at the united states more than elsewhere but uh yeah i think this is uh, an interesting case i mean we don't have any content that we sell like that so we don't really have a dog in the in the hunt and i know your views on the whole copyright thing have been well, pretty if, clear if copyrights only lasted five years then a lot of these problems would go away for example that movie is way more than five years old yeah, and it's like, okay, you're still you're still going after people for this? I mean, come on. Make I mean, if the movie came out this year and somebody was pirating it, then you could even make the argument of, oh, well, they're costing us DVD sales or or theater sales. You know, the the biggest copyright arguments are always about movies that are so tremendously shitty that pirating and watching it at home will make people go, Oh, yeah, that movie sucked. I never would need to watch it again. And the real solution to that is make a movie that's not shitty, because if if the movie is really good or really huge, then people will pirate it and then go, yeah, hell yeah, I need to go, you know, I need to see that in the theater. Okay, now I need a, a you know, a legit, and, and certainly not everybody, because plenty of people are like you, where they're like, okay, this grainy copy I pirated is all I need to archive on my NAS. But a lot no. of people will go out and buy the legitimate thing that this has been proven with 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 CD pirating. There are a lot of people out there who will download a song and be like, I really like this song and go get the whole album. Uh, but if, if you make something shitty, then people will know about it before they buy. And yeah, that'll cost you sales. But for a movie that's what, what's Hellboy? Like 14 years old? It's got to, it had to be like 2004, 2006. Unless, unless there's a newer Hellboy. I don't know. Uh, and there might be. But if we're talking about the movie that's 14 years old, then what are they getting? Syndication DVD there, sales? There is a Hellboy what, from what exactly 2019. Are you, I'm sorry? There is a Hellboy from 2019. Okay, then it, it was a remake and it sucked balls. <laughs> Probably. Go go watch the Ron Perlman one from 04 or 05. That, yeah, and you're, that you're one's right. worth it anyway. The IMDB rating, 5.2. So that's on the yeah, 10 I believe scale. That is, that is. I, I, I will tell you. I don't have enough experience to know for certain about all of them because I can't quite stomach the idea of watching all of these remakes, but Hollywood has been on a spate of remakes for the last 
five years where they take a movie that was really good back in the day and they decide to remake it with a, a new cast that has a lot more inclusion and diversity and with the the sensibilities of the modern era and making sure that they inject a bunch of SJW messages and they take this beloved property from back in the day and they churn out a giant steaming pile of shit to attach to it. And no, I don't like re- You know what? I got one word for you. Ghostbusters. Yeah, the new one. Oh, that was great. No. <laughs> it says the person who likes Taylor Swift. Yeah, I didn't. To be fair, I didn't see the new Ghostbusters. And to be fair, I do not even put MP3s on my NAS. So I won't go for the grainy copies of everything. I only go for flack and uh, high res when it comes to audio. Oh, oh, that that was your takeaway of that whole rant. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. That was annoying me. <laughs> but I do have one other story because this is related to this. And I can also then check it off and take it off my list of all the things that we've never talked about. This came from November 5th. Netflix files copyright claims against tweets criticizing movie comma trailer, which this was going back to the to the cuties thing that was filing takedowns against its own trailer when it was shared in critical tweets. Yes. (laughs) So that that, that's what we call an abusive copyright law. Yeah. Netflix is apparently fighting controversy about a film on its platform by issuing copyright takedown requests against tweets that include negative commentary about the movie. According to a new report, this was on the Ars Technica site. And I just thought that was, that was kind of funny. I, you you would have a real difficult time proving in court that that first of all that the excerpt is not diminutive and second that any any commentary that is critical is not both transformative and a commentary uh, and and therefore totally fair use that there, there is no possible way that holds up in court yes that the the content when people share the trailer and say nice things, they don't go at takedown notice it. But if you talk poorly about the movie, it's like this is just a whole new level of insanity. But, but what I what I'm what I'm getting at though is uh, it, it, copyright law has exceptions in fair use, yes. and two of the primary points where fair use comes in one is when you only take a small part, which is exactly what you just described. I think. You only take a small part of the the copyright material. And then the other one, which is a gigantic hole in copyright, as far as they're concerned, is that you are allowed to use somebody's copyright for the purpose of critiquing it. Yes. Which is literally what you just described. Yes. I mean, I don't know. I'm doubting they were linking to the trailer because then you would literally be asking to remove your own content. You're saying we and if own they the were linking to it, then they'd also be issuing the takedown against themselves, Yes, which they might. I mean, this is the world we live in today <laughs> that we've offended. That would be hilarious. I have offended myself. So I am demanding grumpy old Ben's be removed. You know, that would be an amazing, effective technique against something like cuties is is if if you really, really don't want it to be up, then you just comment on it and you get the company to take it down themselves. Yes. Genius. It is genius. But that is the that is the world we're living in. And uh, I don't know when I don't want to live on this planet anymore. Yeah, I don't know when sanity is coming back, if ever. So that's why we're here. That's why we're doing the shows. We're sanity, try- you boomer. We're trying to entertain you. We're trying to enlighten you. 
and we hope you've been digging what you're hearing on Grumpy Old Ben. If you have any comments or criticisms, feel free to reach out to us. Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at GrumpyOldBenz.com or Ryan, R-Y-A-N at GrumpyOldBenz.com. And yes, send send any any comments you can send to me, any criticism you can send to Darren. And yes, we still have the hotline 480 for Grumpy. I don't think anybody uses it, but there is the number. You, I, don't, I, I don't think anybody checks it either. I, I do every now and then. I mean, when something comes in, I mean, hey, we'll check it again. We'll check 480 for Grumpy. Maybe we'll do a live call-in show on new year's day or christmas day that nothing can go wrong at all yeah yeah there's no way that can turn into a shit show doing a live calling but we'll see but we thank everybody for listening to the show live when we do these things on the noagendastream.com and we thank everybody for listening to the shows in their favorite podcatcher we will be updating the show with all the new podcast 2.0 stuff this is one of the goals for 2021 is to get the transcript up to be able to get the chapters but i mean I, i'm with adam curry the podfather of no agenda fame that when it comes to chapters i don't want to do it i know you don't yeah. want to do it adam is a huge fan of chapters as long as he can get somebody else to do the work for him yes i like the idea of community chapters where people listening to the show can decide where it's an important break or where the chapter should be because we do the show it's a very open-ended thing we go back and forth. We bob and weave. We're in and out and trying we, we to We do. No, we do separate the show into very natural chapters. This is chapter 115. <laughs> right. This is it. They're just really long chapters like any good audio book would be. But we'll be back to do another chapter of Grumpy Old Ben's on Friday. And until then, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac. Where I hope you got all of your holiday shopping done by today. Otherwise, it's never getting there. And from America's left coast, where we're playing a new drinking game. Every time you hear a shot, you take a shot. I'm Ryan Bemrose. <laughs>